Hi, I'm Kendra Davenport, President and CEO of Easter Seals, and you are listening to On Board with Transparent Leadership, an Easter Seals podcast where I speak with leaders from some of the country's top organizations. Together, we explore how transparent leadership can impact communication, trust building, and foster a culture of openness and accountability. I hope that our conversations can offer you practical insights and tools to positively impact your organization. In this episode, I'm joined by Wanda Hill. Wanda, thanks so much for being here. Oh, Kendra, it's great being here. Thanks for inviting me. And I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting with you and sharing some insights about leadership. Wanda is an executive at GlaxoSmithKline. That's GSK. GSK is a global biopharma company, and she's currently a member of Easter Seals National Board of Directors as well. Inspiring, collaborative, and innovative, Wanda brings as much humanity to a room as she does drive and business focus. Throughout her career in healthcare, Wanda has proven herself as a trusted people leader, business partner, and advocate, leveraging her regulatory experience to help companies achieve a competitive advantage by using a value-driven approach to the advertising and promotion of medications. Wanda's career has traversed the ranks of pharmaceutical industry, starting as a sales representative with Merck and working in various regulatory affairs and policy roles and currently driving strategic initiatives at GSK in government affairs and public policy. Wanda's education, career, and volunteer experiences, advocacy roles, and lifelong DEI practices make her uniquely qualified as an advocate for advancing health equity. And I can't wait to get into some of these questions I have for you and hear more from you. So let's let's just jump right in, Wanda. I just appreciate so much, as you know, I've told you, Aww. having you on Easter Seals National Board of Directors for a number of reasons, but mostly, if I'm being honest, because I feel I can come to you for advice and guidance. So can you talk to me a little bit about why you serve on Easter Seals Board and, and if you serve on any others? And secondly, are there any other professional groups that you belong to that you enjoy participating in? So two questions. It's been a pleasure to serve on the board and to help advance the mission of Easter Seals and to support you as CEO. I really admire you and your leadership. Thank you. The mission of serving people with disabilities and impacting the community really resonates with me. And for me, it's all about making a difference in people's lives. And that is, you know, my personal mission to make a difference in people's lives. So throughout my career, I've always viewed myself as an advocate for mission-driven people-focused organizations. And I think that's why I gravitated toward an industry like pharma, where we're Mm -hmm. making difference in people's lives through, through medications. Another board role I serve in is with Howard University College of Pharmacy, my alma mater. I'm very proud to support Howard. HBC. And, uh, that's, that's right. And, and I, I just really feel it's important for me to give back to an institution that has given so much for me as I reflect on my leadership journey. Your second question was around professional groups. Yeah. Do you belong to any? Is there a group that you participate in that you feel you get something from that helps you as a professional? Yeah. Yeah. There, there are many, many groups, particularly ones that foster networking for female executives that I really enjoy. And they include Chief. There's a group called Women of Color in Pharma um, and another group called WBL, Women's Business Leadership Network. And for, for me, especially after the pandemic, I am embracing more of making connections and expanding my network. 
and learning and growing from others. And these organizations really help with that. They help women connect with each other. I think the most successful leaders are people who are willing to learn, open to learning as they get into the latter years of their career. Not saying that you are <laughs> applying applying my own experience, but I, I do feel that distinguishes and separates good leader from a great leader. Because when you're close to learning, you how are you how are you growing? Absolutely. Another thing I really am I'm curious about, you and I have actually spoken about this offline. So love to pose this question for our listeners. And that is how you balance it. You've had a really successful career. Your career Mm -hmm. is certainly a big part of your life, although maybe not a defining part of your life. Can you talk about how you've navigated your personal life and maintaining and growing in your career? How are you doing it? I'm not quite sure. (laughs) (laughs) I I think work, especially work-life balance, it's a challenge. But, you know, I've, I've tried to maintain a balance and that balance become easier now that my husband and I are empty nesters. So for me, you know, I may not necessarily have the perfect work-life balance. I, I think it's, you know, being comfortable with not having a perfectly balanced life and that's okay. But again, uh, the support and understanding of uh, my spouse has always been a factor in my being able to have a life and also have a career, especially as I moved up the ranks. And, you know, frankly, I've been fortunate to work for companies even before the pandemic who respected the work-life boundaries and encourage balance and encourage taking care of yourself and family. I think it's so important. And I think it's wonderful that in this day and age now, today, companies are paying a lot more attention to that, to enhancing and supporting work-life balance among employees, because I'm sure like me, you remember a time when that wasn't the case. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's great to see that more companies are allowing people to bring their whole selves into work and really respect those boundaries. It's kind of a nice segue to my next question for you, which is, it hinges on something my children, my daughters are all in their 20s now, and they are resolute in their commitment to taking good care of themselves mentally and physically. And they chide me a lot for not practicing self-care, which I'm getting better about. I really am. And I and I know that one of the people I work closely with at work says, you know, self-care looks different for everyone. Mm-hmm. What does your self-care look like? What do you do to replenish? What do you do to fulfill yourself when when you need to be replenished? Yes. Uh, yeah. Self-care, definitely. It's so important. It's so critical. It's an area, I'll be honest, that I didn't pay attention to until, you know, quite recently. I just think it's important for us as women and especially to look at self-care as not being selfish. You can't take care of other people and do the things that you need to do without putting yourself first. So, so true. You know, for me, it's something as simple as just starting my day off in the right mindset. I just think that's so important. I'm actually an early riser. And in the morning, I journal, I love to write, mm. and I meditate. <laughs> and it's it's just so important for me at the start of my day to think about, okay, w- what goals do I want to accomplish? What am I just thankful for? And so for me, just that piece of it is important to my self-care, just that reflection. I love that. I, I love that. And I agree with it because I really believe you touched on something I 
place a tremendous amount of importance on on gratitude because I think gratitude sets the stage for opportunity and having an attitude of gratitude really, I think as trite as it might sound is important, but I love that. And I love to journal as well. So we we are kindred spirits in that respect. Yes, but th- th- there's another thing that I, I want to share yeah, as well. Please. It's just staying active. I try to stay active and I emphasize the try, but walking, you know, riding a stationary bike, those types of things. And and then when I can't do that, stay active, I try, I try not to be so hard on myself. Uh, you know, when I fall down on that eating healthy and, and being active part, because as I've gotten older, I've allowed myself a bit more grace. Those are words to live by, Wanda. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Let me switch yes. gears for a second. Sure. Throughout my career at, at various times, I've experienced you know, career judgment, you know, judgment about being ambitious from both men and women. Have you ever experienced that? Have you any similar experience? And if so, how do you feel about it? How do you, how do you manage it? Yeah, I've in my career have, have experienced judgment, have experienced, you know, people who've been threatened, I guess, by my, my ambition in my career, by my focus on being exceptional in everything I do, quite frankly. I think the drive came from my grandmother, who I admire greatly, and her advice to me, don't do anything halfway, put your whole heart into things. You know, I've learned in my career that people who feel threatened, it's more about them, not me. That's what I tell myself, too. I experience it less, and I think it matters less as I get older. You know, I really think... And I told my team today, you just need to remain true to yourself. Absolutely. And that can be challenging sometimes, but I really believe women shouldn't have to apologize for being ambitious or wanting to excel or do more or or ascend the ladder. Absolutely. We shouldn't have to apologize for our achievements. I just learned about a term called tall poppy syndrome. Which is? Professional women essentially getting cut down for standing out at work. And then that tendency for women, you know, who are these high achievers to minimize their accomplishments, to make other people feel comfortable. So, you know, that really resonated with me, especially early in my career. And, you know, I downplayed my accomplishments to make others feel comfortable. So, so yeah, it's important that, you know, we embrace our accomplishments and we promote our achievements and learn to, to toot our own horns and to celebrate ourselves as women. I could not agree more. And I think probably every woman in the working world has felt that way at some time or done something consciously or unconsciously to dim their light, right? To make other people feel comfortable. And I think it's important that leaders like you speak out about it and share your personal experience so that other women can see it is shared experience and this is how we get past it. This is how we rise above. So to that point, you know, at your point in 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 your career right now, I'm curious about what's on the horizon for you. What remains undone or on your professional bucket list? Is there something there or are you happy with where you are right now? Are you just enjoying where you are in your career journey at this point? I'm happy with the journey and where I am. And I still and motivated to make a difference in this world. I mean, as corny as that might sound, no, I not just at all. feel really deeply about this. I want to continue to advance those causes where the mission resonates with me. You know, as I said, I'm motivated by the mission. 
and helping people and Easter seals and the work in around STEM equity and mm-hmm. elevating the importance of HBCUs like Howard University as a training ground, you know, all, all of the things, all of these things uh, of I the want things. to do and, and, I love and, that. and make that difference. I love that because it, it means you're still passionate about being in the workforce, being a professional woman. And, and I think that's critical to staying on top of your game is, is Absolutely. bringing that energy. So thank you. Is there something that you consider? I mean, I have many vices. But is there something? <laughs> oh, is there tell. a particular? <laughs> you go well, first. All right, I'll go first. I have a, a lot of vices, and, and I like to tell my husband, you know, oh, this is this is what I'm reduced to is black licorice. And last night, in fact, I made him go out at ten o'clock to get me a bag because we had none in the house, and he's a saint and said, you know, Kendra, I'll go out and get it. And I said, no, you know, it's really a weakness, error. I shouldn't. I shouldn't need black licorice right now, but I really do. So if you don't mind, <laughs> you go out. Is there a vice you have that you really enjoy, whether it's food or whether it's watching movies or what is it? Because yeah. I think people would love to know a little bit more about what yeah. makes Wanda tick. Uh, there, there's so many, Kendra. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love to shop for clothes. I love fashion. And I think that just relates to my artistic side. Mm-hmm. It's not really a vice. Well, I, I like to eat, but I'm passionate about cooking. Uh, you know, I make a mean Chilean sea bass dish. All right. Um, I'm filing that detail away <laughs> for when I, when I come visit. Yeah. And I'm passionate about reading. I focused a lot in, in my career on leadership books and self-help books. I'm back to reading fiction for fun. So it's not really a, a vice, more of a passion. You won't judge me if I share that I I have a vice. I do watch the the Housewives show. So <laughs> no, that's so, exactly what I wanted to get at. <laughs> I wanted the truth. Okay. <laughs> so no, that's no judgment truth. here. And I I share your passion for reading. And we'll get to that in a second. But I I love having the time to read fiction. And I was recently on a vacation and read three books. And that to me is definitely, I think, time, you know, that I consider a luxury and maybe a vice if, if, you, if you could. <laughs> One last question specific to your career. And that is, and I know people shy away from giving advice, but it really, it would be valuable, I'm sure, to many of our listeners to hear what advice you have for young women who are just beginning their careers, but who envision themselves becoming leaders at some point in the future, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I have a lot of advice to share (laughs) and we would need another podcast, but (laughs) uh, you know, I'm just thinking, reflecting in my career. Uh, First of all, just my philosophy. I just really do believe leadership isn't a title. It's a mindset. So whatever role you have, no matter what the title, no matter what level you're operating, you know, bring a a leadership mindset to the role, you know, be solutions oriented, business focused, performance driven. Those those titles will eventually come. And, And for me, it's about approaching your career, your work with a people first mentality. I try to follow the platinum rule, treat people the way they want to be treated and just get to to know people the way to understand how they want to be treated is to get to know them. It is important. And don't leave people in your wake as you climb the corporate ladder, you know, respect people. And I think always just taking that opportunity to develop and grow, just be open to learning new things. And it's okay if you don't know something, 
and be comfortable in, in being uncomfortable as you learn new things. That's great advice. It's very humble. Everything you're saying is really, I think, attached to or underscored by adopting an attitude of humility as a leader. I think you have to. I mean, it's important to connect with people and, and put people first, because I think that is how you drive business performance. Mm-hmm. I think culture is, is so important. Couldn't agree more. Wanda, thank you. I've so enjoyed our conversation today and appreciate your taking the time to talk with me. We like to end these episodes with an Ask Us Anything segment with our co-host from Easter Seals podcast series, Everything You Know About Disability is Wrong. So stick around for that. But before we go, I would like to ask Wanda just one more final question. Wanda, you know me, and we we touched on it earlier in our discussion. You know, we both love books. I want people to know what you like to read. So what's what's one book, and it can be a self-help book or it can be a fiction book, whatever you think, but if you were going to recommend a book to a leader that you think every leader should read, what would that book be? My favorite leadership book is called The Leadership Pipeline, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing the author's name correctly, Ram Sharan. Mm-hmm. It describes the skill sets and expectations of a leader as you move up that leadership ladder from individual contributor to a manager of people, to leaders of leaders, to an enterprise leader. So what are those skill sets? What are those expectations as you move up the ladder? And I'm just grateful for one of my mentors in business for sharing it with me. It was in the middle of my career. I wish I had it earlier in my career, but I've given this book to to people I mentor to really help them see and understand what are the critical skills needed as you, you move along the ladder. I'm going to put that on my list. I just wrote it down. So I will definitely get it. Thank you so much. I love everything you say. And I just, I thoroughly enjoy whenever we get to spend time together, but really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me on this podcast. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome, Kendra. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Take care, Wanda. Aaron and Lily, I am so glad you can join me today as leaders in your work and as co-hosts of the Everything You Know About Disability is Wrong podcast. What do we have for today? Thanks for having us on again, Kendra. We love the Ask Us Anything segment. Oh, it's great to have you on. Today's Ask Us Anything is how do you handle failure and mistakes, both personally and within your organization? I love this question. There's a saying, and I don't know who said it. I don't know who's the whose phrase it is, but show me a winner and I'll show you someone who's failed. I think people don't get failure right. I think we all avoid failure like the plague. And in fact, I don't think you learn as well as you do from failure. I don't think anything else is as as good a teacher, I guess, as failure is. And anyone who's succeeded in business, in sports, in life will tell you, They've had their share of failures. And I think it's just sort of become this un-American thing to embrace failure, right? We don't look upon failure favorably. We don't look upon it as the teaching tool it really is. But if you think, if you just take a moment to be introspective and think of something you consider a failure, something you did not, you didn't meet your goal or you fell way short of what you thought you were going to be able to do, and then look at where you are today. 
I would bet that most people took from that failure the lessons learned, you learn them well, and you don't commit the same errors that led to that failure. I think no one wants to fail, but I think there is tremendous learning in every mistake we make. And I've made some doozies throughout my, my career, and yet I just really believe failure is never fatal and success is never final. And you just have to keep pushing every day, take from your failures, learn from them, move forward, and don't commit the same mistake. I think that's such an important piece of advice, especially for young people who want to get into leadership. With social media out there, it can seem like everyone's first try is perfect. And I think it's a great reminder that behind every perfect TikTok, behind every perfect Instagram post is a ton of failure. I think that's really important. Thanks for sharing that. I just want to say, I think social media has done wonderful things for us societally, and it's done terrible things. It's the root of the anxiety so many young women feel because of this unattainable body image that social media portrays. But similarly, mm. you know, you look at social media and it's a it's one of my last vices, truly. Instagram, my children will tell you, is my last vice. But it, it's not healthy. It's not healthy to spend too much time on social media because just as you just said, Lily, there is this false sense of perfection and no one's perfect in the veneer that is social media. There's really a lot more to it. I think most people's lives are not as perfect and clean and well-ordered as they are on social media. And I think if we think about our careers that way, it's a mess <laughs> before you actually iron it all out and get to where you want to be, where you're making an impact. That's, that's a healthier place to live. Absolutely. Thanks for that great advice. And we'll see you on the next episode. Great. Look forward to it. You may not know that Easter Seals has been trusted by families nationwide for over a hundred years. At Easter Seals, we share a commitment to the people we serve, and each of our locations offers a variety of important services to meet their community's needs. Services like early intervention to help young children achieve their developmental goals, adult day and in-home services, community mobility options, behavioral health and wellness programs, caregiver and veteran services, and much more, so that all people of all ages and at all stages of life can have all the access they need so all people with disabilities can feel empowered and included, and so all families continue to receive support they can trust. Learn more by visiting easterseals.com. That concludes our episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, be sure to write a review, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next episode as we discuss how we can all get on board with transparent leadership. <laughs>